Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! Night one is in the books. We got ourselves a shiny new toy and a brand new podcast to talk about here. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Friday, April 27th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins select Alabama safety Minka Fitzpatrick with the 11th overall pick in the draft. We are going to get into his game, break down the remaining of the board for rounds two and three, and we'll talk to former Alabama football manager, Clay Smith to talk about what type of leader and locker room presence Minka Fitzpatrick was at Alabama. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Winkville NFL and follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com right now. We have a couple of pieces on Minka Fitzpatrick getting into his game, both from the personal standpoint as well as the -the on-the-field stuff with tons of gifs and comments on Minka Fitzpatrick from scouts around the league. Of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown on Heat Podcast and Locked on NFL Podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. All right, let's start this episode off with my conversation with Clay Smith. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I'm joined on the podcast now by the former manager of the Alabama football team. He was around the club for the entirety of Minka Fitzpatrick's career in Tuscaloosa and joins us now to give us some insight into Minka Fitzpatrick. His name is Clay Smith. Clay, welcome to the program. Thanks, Travis. Good to be here, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and let me know that you were around the football team because you and I talked a little bit earlier in the process about the possibility of both Mika Fitzpatrick or maybe even Rashawn Evans coming down. And I was like, that'd be a perfect guy to get some insight from on these players since you're around them all the time. So if you could just kind of tell us about what you were at the Alabama program and kind of how you interacted with these guys on a daily basis. Yeah, so I was a manager for four years, uh, which would have been, you know, Mika's whole career and Rashawn too. So uh, at every practice, kind of helping out with different drills and, and uh, just kind of making sure everything flows smoothly there in practice and, and games as well with equipment and, and setting up drills and just, you know, as a football fan, kind of spectating sometimes too. So uh, it, it was a pleasure to, to be around that program for sure. Yeah, it's got to be pretty cool to be able to watch a bunch of guys that wind up getting drafted in the first round and going on to have a lot of success in the NFL. And we hope that's what happens with Nika Fitzpatrick. And one thing I wanted to ask you about was I heard that he had a nickname attached to him in college. And I guess who better than you to answer this question? Was he really called Nick Saban's son down there by his teammates? <laughs> yeah, you know, some, sometimes in a joking manner because, you know, it's kind of gotten reported out some that they take, they take an IQ test and, and his score was really similar to Coach Saban. And, and those two just kind of click, man. And, and that's what better – person to click with if you're looking for a football player you know some it just kind of I really think it's just because they're both you know eat sleep and breathe football and and he was coming in just kind of picking his brain and, and just really wanted to be the best from the day he got there so as a coach you know that's an easy person to like and, and that's kind of what Minka was from day one and especially when you consider Saban's background as a defensive backs coach when he was with the Dolphins in Miami he actually coached up some less than talented 
secondaries to some pretty good performances in the couple of years that he was here with us with the Dolphins. So cool to see that connection. It's cool to see the fact that Adam Gaze got, you know, a guy from Nick Saban, his former boss. But let's talk about Minka Fitzpatrick and kind of how he might have been the quarterback of this defense. You know, all the cliche nicknames you come out of there with Minka Fitzpatrick. What can you tell me about the type of leader that Minka Fitzpatrick was, not just on Saturdays, but in the film room and on the practice field as well? Sure, yeah. Minka was, you know, sometimes you get tied into, you know, the the leader has to be the loudest in the room or whatever. And, and Minka would, you know, at times, you know, if he felt like he needed to speak up, you know, it felt like he was saying something. But Minka's leadership started with just being there every day, uh, putting in the work on the field, off the field, off season, in season. You know, I mean, with with my role, there was nights sometimes in the off season where we would be there late and the team would have workouts and conditioning early in the morning and you would come up there late at night and Minka would be there, but it wouldn't do an on-field drills and, and stuff, but it wouldn't just be Minka. You know, he'd have a couple of teammates with him. So the ability to bring those guys along and, and to get them to buy in the same way, I, you know, I think this kind of that, – that type of leadership is really what, what Gase and some of these guys are talking about with the culture change and wanting to add guys like that, it just it really seems like a perfect fit. It seemed like a home run from the moment that I first kind of started picking up wind of the possible interest there. And they didn't actually have any visits with Minka Fitzpatrick, but you just connect the dots, like we mentioned, the coaching staff, the fact that they have this idea of a culture change and getting guys that prioritize football. Now, we know how his coaches feel about him, how he is the son of Nick Saban, quote unquote, to say there. But how about his teammates? Now, you know, some guys are social butterflies. Others are, for lack of a better term, introverted. How would you say that Minka was viewed by his teammates there and a, a group of peers that really are going to be his peers at the next level with all the NFL talent they have there right I think the first word that comes to mind is just respected and you know he came into a program that had had some success uh, but as a true freshman he was able to step on the field and start for a team that ended up winning the national championship and uh, I think you know in my experience around the locker room if you can earn their respect then that you know that that kind of settles you in and that's really what your teammates are looking for so you know that that's Minka, and, and he's he's just all football, man. He really, you know, you hear that cliche a lot. And some guys it's true, some guys it's not. But you know, I think if you're going to tie it to any any player, as as far as I'm concerned, I can't think of a better example than than Minka Fitzpatrick. Put on your Dolphins fan hat here for a minute, and just think with me. Do have we ever had a better compliment to Rashad Jones than Minka Fitzpatrick? I mean, I don't think it's even been close. <laughs> no, no, not even close, man. They, you know, trying to talk up Nate Allen and and, and the list, Chris Clint, you know, whatever the list goes on, man. I guess Lewis, uh, Lewis Dumas for a few games is all right. Yeah, he was for all right, you know, and, and he was a decent player or whatever, but getting this guy as a rookie and, and you get five years of him, yeah. and I, I mean, it just seems like the perfect pairing on that, on that back end. It's going to be fun to watch him and Rashad Jones work in tandem. I just, I can't really, you know... Like we talked about it, you know, you, you, you want to protect your biggest investments and Rashad Jones makes a lot of money and makes a lot of plays for the Miami Dolphins in the back end. So good to see him get a counterpart that can kind of help him do more things and have him give him more free range to roam. So one more question sure. I have for you, Clay, here real quick. This has been an awesome podcast. Thanks for doing this with me. But one last question I had for you, it was posed by a detractor of Minka Fitzpatrick. And it was the fact that, you know, he was playing a lot of slot cornerback last year, whereas he was a safety in 2016. And you can talk about, you know, Anthony Averett, however you say it, I might have got the name wrong. Uh, Levi Wallace was the cornerback that was a walk-on, correct? 
Right, right. So, a- yeah, Wallace comes in, becomes a perimeter corner. Now, someone might say, well, if he's such a good defensive back, why is he not playing that safety role or a perimeter corner? Would you say that there's some maybe truth to that, or is maybe the slot cornerback the most position, most important position in Nick Saban's defense? Can you just kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, he came in as a true freshman, and he started every game at that slot corner. Uh, and, and then, you know, I think especially in – the SEC, the league that he played in, and, and, and you play so many run-heavy teams, you know, when he came in and you're, and you're playing LSU with Leonard Fournette or, you know, like say this last year you're playing Auburn with, with Carryon Johnson, who's, you know, probably going to get drafted uh, pretty pretty early tomorrow. Or, you know, the, the list goes on and on of people. And then the passing game is kind of the RPOs where you're hitting quick quick routes or, or tight ends, you know. I think Minka just being able to play around that around that line of scrimmage and help the run plus help the pass and but you know his second his sophomore year Eddie Jackson uh, the safety from who got drafted by the Bears last year he breaks his leg and and Minka rolls back to safety and doesn't miss a beat so you know I, I think there was it was really just we could play him where we needed him to when we needed him to and, and that's what makes him so valuable I, I think in the eyes of Alabama here and at the next level as well. It's going to be really fun to watch to see how the how they use him on that defense because it sounds like you know down the line he could be a guy that eventually you just line up on their best player and call it a day and know you're going to win that matchup. All right, you can find him right. on Twitter. He's at Clay Smith underscore ten. Hey man, thanks a lot for coming on the show. It was really a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Again, that was Clay Smith, a former manager for the Alabama Crimson Tide football team, talking about Minka Fitzpatrick. We're going to have more on Minka's game on the other side of this one, talking about what he can do for the Dolphins as a safety corner, slot corner, just a versatile matchup piece the Dolphins got on the first night of the NFL Draft 2018 version on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. You guys follow me on Twitter by now at Wingfield NFL. You saw me post a couple of columns I had about Minka Fitzpatrick. One was a more recent dive into kind of his off the field background and kind of some of the things that had been said about him from coaches, scouts around the league, Daniel Jeremiah talking about how much he thinks of Minka Fitzpatrick, Lance Zerline. We had a couple of coaches quotes from Nick Saban that we talked about with Clay there, but just to kind of go around the web and get some views from other people on Twitter that had an idea about Minka Fitzpatrick or kind of some of the things that he brings to the football team, check out this tweet from James Palmer, probably the best one. Minka Fitzpatrick is the third player in college football history to win the Jim Thorpe Award and the Chuck Bednarik Award. The two previous players to win both awards are nine-time Pro Bowl Charles Woodson and seven-time Pro Bowler Patrick Peterson. So the rarefied air of Minka Fitzpatrick in terms of college college accomplishment is Charles Woodson and Patrick Peterson. Rare company indeed. And another tweet from Palm Beach Post writer Hal Habib says, Mega Fitzpatrick shows up to the video conference with South Florida Media wearing three championship rings, shows his fingers, and says, I've got to fill the rest of them. So he has a championship pedigree. He brings that into the locker room, a guy that's going to elevate the play of those around him and get them in the right spots. And like we talked about with Clay Smith, the fact that Rashad Jones has... He does so much in terms of being able to range freely around the defense, both coming up in the box, blitzing off the edge, supporting the run game, covering a tight end, whatever it is that he does. Minka Fitzpatrick can complement that in a way that no one else really has come close to doing. So it's all about protecting your investments. The Dolphins have put a lot of money into Ryan Tannehill and building around him in the offense this offseason. Now they're going to go ahead and protect the investment into Rashad Jones, hoping that he can finish his career with Miami. He's a big-time leader on this defense and obviously still a fantastic playmaker, all-pro type of safety play from Rashad Jones. This only makes him even better. 
And another tweet from a famed football man, Phil Savage on Mika Fitzpatrick, said that while a lot of guys show up to visits, like when a player goes out to visit the teams, they show up in t-shirts and hoodies, and they're just there making the rounds. Now, Mika Fitzpatrick, on the other hand, showed up in a sport coat. The guy already conducts himself like an NFL player who's been in the league for four to five years. So you want to talk about ready-made players and guys that are going to get on the field right away. Mika Fitzpatrick might not leave the field as a rookie for the Miami Dolphins in this defense, whether it's the dime package, the nickel package, base defense. It seems like they're going to work TJ McDonald into more of a quasi-linebacker role like we have talked about time and time again on the podcast as well as on the Twitter. So many questions pouring in about what can Minka Fitzpatrick or Derwin James do for the Dolphins since they already have these two safeties. Well, tonight you found out. They want to use more dime packages and get more defensive backs onto the field, help themselves disguise that coverage with the safeties that can kind of work in a quasi-linebacker slash safety role, a la TJ McDonald. And now Minka Fitzpatrick gives you some insurance over the top so you can maybe play a little bit more of that aggressive press man. The Dolphins love to play on the edges with Xavier Howard, with Cordrea Tankersley. He's scheme-adverse. He can play a little bit of zone coverage too. He can jump into that robber role. He can switch back into a two-deep zone. He can play... 10 yards off the line of scrimmage in the slot and cover a slot man up. He can maybe even take on a tight end that might not have the most size advantage over him. So he does a lot of things for the Dolphins very well. Fits the defensive back prototype, over six feet tall, long, loves to play the game. Just a a pick that made so much sense. We talked about it so much on the podcast going back even into November, December. He was a guy that I was thinking about picking when the Dolphins were looking more like a 5-11 and 11 football team or a 4-12 and 12 football team than they were actually a 6-10 and 10 team right before the Denver and New England wins when everything all looked lost at once there after that primetime stretch of games they got destroyed, losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought they were going to be picking in the top 7 or 8. I thought Mika Fitzpatrick made a lot of sense. Dolphins wind up staying put at 11, get Mika Fitzpatrick at that pick. Josh Rosen goes number 10 right before the Dolphins to the Arizona Cardinals. However, the Dolphins did report to Andrew Abramson saying that they were not going to Josh to draft Josh Rosen even if he fell to their spot at 11. So they never targeted a quarterback. It sounds like the entire thing was a smokescreen. All the workups on Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Sure, they were trying to get themselves prepared in case the situation did come where that was the case, but it sounds like all along what they were trying to do was force defensive players down the board. Kind of like we talked about in this podcast. I don't want to get too much into that, but it, it all worked out the way they wanted it to. You get the crack at Mika Fitzpatrick, Derwin James. Roquan Smith kind of made it there to number eight, so he was threatening to get into that spot there, but the two safeties do fall right into the Dolphins' lap. I wanted Derwin James. I think he offers more upside, but I can see the Mika Fitzpatrick pick, no problem where they were thinking with it and why it made sense. He is definitely ready-made to play right away on day one, and he does all the things we talked about so many weeks and months leading up to this in terms of helping the defense get better in areas they were weak at in 2017, as well as 2016 and going back further and further. So the Dolphins transitioning more and more to a pass rush heavy scheme, more mixed coverages in the back end. So get home to the quarterback and confuse the routes on the defense with guys that can make plays on the football. All right, we have one more segment come up on the podcast here. I want to talk about draft day two and kind of some of the targets Dolphins could look at in rounds two and three. For the NFL Draft 2018 version on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Doing some housekeeping around the AFC East in terms of what those teams did. The Dolphins rivals made some bold moves on draft night. Two new quarterbacks joined the AFC East. The Bills spend six picks to go up to get two guys. Two highly thought of guys in some camps, two guys that also could be viewed as long-term raw projects. They go up to get Josh Allen in the draft with the seventh pick in the draft, trading up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
That was after the New York Jets selected Sam Darnold with a third overall pick in the draft, and then the Bills come back with Tremaine Edmonds. The New England Patriots get offensive tackle Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia and come back at the end of the first round with running back Sony Michelle from Georgia. So the AFC East teams got a lot better tonight. The Bills and Jets get their quarterbacks. We'll find out what happens to them in the future. So we have a couple of new young guys taking over for new teams in the AFC East. Should be an exciting shift this year. Let's go ahead and get into some of the guys that could be available on day two for the Miami Dolphins at pick number 42. We have the safety concern locked up. Now we move to possibly thinking about linebacker, but that could be kind of resolved like we talked about earlier with the safety position, kind of doing the same tasks that a linebacker has to do. This might be a little bit more of an endorsement to Kiko Alonso, or they could address the linebacker position here at 42, maybe even go tight end. That seems like a good pick in terms of the players that have fallen down. Hayden Hurst was the only tight end to come off the board in the first round. So you still have Dallas Goddard sitting there from South Dakota State. He could fall down to 42 potentially. You could get a crack at possibly an Ian Thomas from Indiana in that spot. A lot of people like Mike Gusecki out of Penn State. I don't think he's a great fit for the offense, but he could be a Y-ISO detached piece that we have talked about quite a bit. If they want to explore running back, there is still Nick Chubb and Darius Geis on the board there as Rashad Penny, probably the big shock of the night, comes up and becomes the third running back drafted off the board. The linebackers you could approach would be Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia. He seems like a perfect fit, both size and build and skill set for this Dolphins defense. He might be a good target there at the 42nd pick. You move on to the third round. That might be a spot you try to find your quarterback there. Could be another Luke Falk landing there, possibly. Maybe Kyle Laletta. We'll see what happens tomorrow in the draft. But we will have plenty more on that for you guys next week on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, as well as LockedOnDolphins.com. Going to have tons of written content on all these new guys for you coming up, as well as podcasts on each of them, just like the one we had tonight with Minka Fitzpatrick, but that will do it for tonight's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Dolphins podcast on iTunes. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Facebook and Twitter. And check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you on Monday to wrap up the entire draft for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.